Welcome to IntelliCast. I am Brian Peterson. Thank you for joining us. IntelliCast is brought to you by EMI. If you want to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us on email at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com or on Twitter at EMI underscore research or IntelliCast1. Also, you can leave us a voicemail or text us at 513-401-5463. And to be honest, we haven't got anything on that line for a while, so it would be a nice surprise. Joining me today is Jason Inderhees. Jason, how are you? BP, doing great, man. It's been a long time. I'm glad to be back. The Intellicast. I know. The revamped Intellicast at that. Right, right. No, it's it's always fun to to, you know, catch up and then all of a sudden we're like, hey, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a uh, podcast real quick. Yeah, you, you are so Give you forty-eight hours notice. Hey, you want to hop on? Hey, that's that. No, we should be keeping keeping up with the current trends in the industry. So this will test my uh, my ability to do so. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you want to jump right in? We do have quite a few news stories to cover today. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. First up, the latest bellwether report by the Institute of Practitioners in Advertising, the IPA, found. That market research budgets, budgets declined by 5% in the fourth quarter of 2023. It also found a net 1% forecast in reductions of budgets for 24-25. Despite the cuts, though, total marketing budgets saw their strongest upward revisions since the second quarter of 2014, up a 14.7% overall. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's it's um it's always interesting to you know see these types of reports and and really kind of compare it to you know not only what we're experiencing internally right but also just kind of uh, comparing it to the, the conversations that we're having with different clients or prospects in the sales world anyhow and then again like I said even taking it a step further comparing it to our own internal experience at EMI and what kind of year we're having you know versus the rest of the industry so it's it's you know great to see that reduction in the net fall quarter over quarter but you know and then obviously a little bit of a brighter forecast for 2024 2020 2025 but you know working in an industry you know that's that's really somewhat i don't know maybe directly tied if you will to kind of the ebbs and flows of the economy definitely presents challenges right because some of it's out of your control Right. And, and those are the unfortunate pieces. But, they're, you know, regardless of that and kind of maintaining that half glass full kind of optimistic outlook and understanding that, you know, in a year where even where the industry's down, focusing on, you know, where can we where can we grow? Right. Because we know that there is a ton of growth opportunity, at least in my opinion, for the market research industry as a whole. It's really just about getting creative and, and trying to solve you know some of the largest problems you know, in our industry, which some of them, BP, you know, this have been around for a long, long time. Yes, they have. still haven't solved them, but really just, you know, thinking creatively about those, maintaining focus, kind of staying the course and not, not being pulled in a hundred different directions by shiny objects. And, and again, as always, you know, we say just not settling for, for doing things as we always have. Right. I feel like with last year, particularly, it was a lot of, with a, the economy and that was impacting market research a lot and the spends of both our end clients and our clients end clients. But I think a lot of it was really around like almost the boy that cried wolf a little bit like, oh, you're going to see a recession. A recession's coming, this and that. You got to be prepared. And everyone was taking steps for something that never really materialized. 
And yeah. even now, you're looking at it like, you, you know what? We, we might not ha- hit as they're calling the soft landing. Like, you, we might be all right here. So that's, that's again, it's, it's keeping that mentality and keeping that glass half <laughs> approach and, and perspective. Um, I think that, that probably helps us all get out of bed in the morning, right? Because <laughs> yep. if we're all doing doom and gloom and, you know, the recession after recession after recession, we got in that, that kind of, you know, terrible cycle it can uh, it can it, it can get ugly quick so i've got to maintain that positive outlook and like i said there even in a down economy there's room for growth somewhere it's about digging under rocks and figuring out where that you know where that gold is yep all right next up taluna has appointed lucy claire vincent ortiz to its board of directors ortiz has been a senior executive with several cpg firms including colgate palmolive and the philip morris international she will be advising the board regarding the needs in this sector. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's kind of, I, I, it's, it doesn't seem like it's like an anomaly, right? The, the, we're, I've noticed several kind of shifts, not only with the, B, the BOD, like the board of directors, but even, even top executives, right, at, at some of the, the companies that are major players in our industry. So, and in the, in the market research news, you know, specifically, you know, I, I don't know if it's a, if these things are happening recently because people are starting, you know, with a new kind of outlook, starting fresh with changes in 2024, or, or, or what kind of is the impetus for seeing a lot of these recent changes? But you know, it looks like a tremendous amount of, in this case, it looks like a tremendous amount of CPG experience, as you mentioned with Colgate, Palmolive, and Philip Morris. You know, two, you know, huge end clients or brands, if you will, that that um, you know do a ton of different research. So super familiar with with the industry as a whole. And it's similar to what we were kind of talking about in the previous section, you know, about ensuring growth, right? Within an individual organization, despite maybe a downturn or a small decline in the industry overall, you know, that net fall group they were talking about. And in the, throughout the article, they mentioned, you know, innovation, not only innovation, but the, you know, taking a step further in developing pieces and the implementation process and competencies that come along with an addition like this, you know, will do nothing but, but, you know, net positive for, for Taluna. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, what moves are made and, and where they focus their efforts and attention here in the near future. So I'm going to pose a question to you with this kind of addition to your, to their board of directors, does this accelerate or force them to, or is, are, are they going to take additional steps to maybe go as a, direct to brand kind of go to market strategy and maybe compete against your full service firms. You're going to, they may be adding additional full service capabilities and be able to offer that end to end solution. Is that maybe what they're thinking here? I think so. And I think that ties directly into really the direction that, that has been going for a while, right? They kind of dipped their toes early on. Well, not early on, but we're talking probably 10 years ago, they really started shifting focus towards that advertising space. And, 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 you know, once you start doing that, you get closer and closer to who, right. Which is the brand, the end, the end client. So uh, it's no surprise that, 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 you know, I, that we see Taluna taking this step and, and I do, you know, to answer your question directly, does it accelerate the, I, I would think so because they have, you know, a completely unique and, and kind of hands-on experience of what or first person experience now of what, you know, that, that end client or brand demands in that world and in that space. 
And I think, you know, an addition like this does nothing but, but push them, you know, further in that direction. All right. Our next story involves a little bit of data quality. So I know Mallow, and I'm sure I just butchered that name, a California-based data quality platform has raised $33 million in new funding to further develop its platform. Uh, its platform uses AI to detect data quality issues as they appear. How they set up is it connects to a data warehouse with no code requirements, they say. All you have to do is set up your KPIs and monitoring criteria, and then it will start monitoring your data. So it's this isn't necessarily market research, but just data quality overall. It could be your own internal data, anything like that. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I, BP, I feel like we could just sit here and talk about this one for, you know, another hour alone, because yeah. these are the types of, you know, news headlines or articles, whatever you want to call it, you know, like this, that are kind of geared directly towards our biggest passion, right? And that's yep. data quality. And seeing this level of funding earmarked with, with quality in mind, was it, it was 30, 30 yeah, 33, 33 million. And I think for the total though, that was, that was for the second round. I think the total is like 72 million or something like that. And mm-hmm. all in the name of quality. And really, like you mentioned, specifically geared towards monitoring that data in real time to ensure that we're doing everything possible to get accurate results. I, I don't know that you can stand for something better, right? Like right. I, we just talked about at EMI, there's price, there's speed, there's quality. And, and we're willing to, you know, kind of die on that pillar of quality, right? Like that's, we're not willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. in that space. Now, do we win every project? No. Do we, you know, do we, are we the fastest in field? Probably not. But we, we, you know, we, we kind of proud, you know, take pride in doing things right, right? And, yep. and putting our best foot forward. And I think initiatives like this, investments like this, funding rounds like this all go in that same direction of we're willing to sacrifice X and Y to get to Z. And Z in this case is quality. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's fantastic. You know, these are, these are the, the areas that I think investments are an absolute necessity for our industry to, to maintain, you know, viability. And it's good to see companies like this kind of getting the backing necessary to improve the industry overall. I agree with that. And I like seeing this because this falls into that category of maybe outside the box areas that our industry can look towards like, all right, what's another, what's, what are other industries doing to better their data quality? What tools are they using? Is it something we can work with them to make it more applicable for our industry? Absolutely. And that's, it's, it's done in the right vein, right? It's, it's not to say, yep. Hey, how can we cut costs? Hey, how can we, you know, it's, it's saying, how can we, how can we be and get better? Right. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's with the right pieces in mind, not only do, how do we get better? Cause saving, you know, cutting costs is getting better as well, but it's saying, how can we get better as an industry? How do we improve the results to get better, to, to make better decisions? That's that's what I love specifically about, you know, initiatives like this. Yeah, you have my full agreement there. Yeah, we need more of them. I know. <laughs> and it is an animalo. Is that is that how you pronounce it? animalo? That was my guess. So that's, that's not a pr- pronunciation component in the story. Right. So. <laughs> oh. Next up, um, which seems to be a trend kind of going this season and near the end of last season is AI news. So first up, publicist group, the ad agency holding company, has announced plans to invest 
300 million euros in AI over the next three years. This is part of their goal to become a, quote, intelligent system company. First 100 million in 2024 will have 50% of it focused on upskilling, training, and recruitment, and the other 50% on technology through licensing, IT software, and cloud infrastructure. It began engineering its own AI system, Core AI, in the second half of last year with its plans to roll it out sometime in the first half of this year. They described Core AI as combining the company's proprietary data, including data based on customer profiles globally, and data points on content, media, and business performance. So, Jason, what do you think about that? Because that's a lot of money. Yeah, 300 million euros is uh, is an amount worth discussing, right? It's, it made, yeah. it makes the podcast for a reason, and that's because it's a massive investment from, quite frankly, a large player in our industry. I it made me immediately when I heard that number, I'm like, what kind of revenue is Publicis Group bringing in each year? <laughs> yeah. They're investing 300 million, you know, over the next three. Anyhow, I digress. Now, to get back to you, I think I can't help but think others will follow suit to be to be, you know, completely just kind of to the point. I don't know if it's to the tune of 300 million euros for every company. I don't think everybody everybody can stomach that. But investments will absolutely be made, and for good reason. You know, we're we're currently, I feel like, as many use cases as we can see, even internally at EMI, right? Like, you know, we see other companies using AI on a daily basis in extremely efficient ways and building efficiencies for the organization. So, I, I, but I, you know, in reality, we're just kind of realizing the tip of the iceberg, right? With how AI is going to impact the MR space collectively. So. Understanding, you know, where we will be and after that investment in three years is super challenging because each step we take, I think, in implementing AI has such a long tail, right? And such a ripple effect in numerous, you know, parts of, of and air other areas of business. So, you know, seeing companies tackle some of the lowest hanging fruit almost as kind of like an exploratory period with AI and how it can help. Obviously, I think, you know, the faster we learn, faster we experiment, faster we fail, and then, you know, leads to the faster we succeed. So the better off we're all going to be in, in seeing the full potential of what artificial intelligence can bring to the table, you know, specifically for market research. So like I said, I'm, I'm certain many others will follow suit with this approach, maybe not the same amount, maybe some more, maybe some less. But um, I also think, you know, on the flip side of that, companies that don't explore should really be expecting to kind of take a sit, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to be sitting in the back seat with a very limited view, to say the least. Yeah. Well, you mentioned like, what is it going to be in three years? I was thinking, what is it going to look like in three months? Because, I mean, if you think about it, ChatGPT launched a little over a year ago. And look how much has changed in just that amount of time. Right. Right. That's why when I saw that 300 year, then I saw the 300 million, I saw the three year window. I'm like, boy, that could turn to 900 million real quick if it's worth it. Right. Right. (laughs) Because we don't know what those revenues, what it's going to do to revenue, what it's going to do. It's going to create efficiency. We know that. And I'm sure there's a downside to it as well. But solely talking about the exploratory piece and the positives that will come from it, again, just tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Our next story is more kind of setting the stage for AI in general, particularly here in the U.S. So President Biden issued an extensive executive order in early January to, quote, ensure that America leads the way in seizing the promise and managing the risks of artificial intelligence. 
including setting standards for safety, security, privacy, which will directly impact federal contractors, providers, and could impact the whole insights ecosystem over time. So with that, it includes prioritize the executive order includes prioritizing robust evaluations, policies, and mechanisms to address security risks associated with AI, investing in the education, training, and research to lead in AI while fostering a fair and competitive ecosystem, and then also ensuring worker inclusion, job training, and education to adapt AI-driven changes in the job landscape. So this isn't just a market research thing. This is touching literally every industry in the United States. So what do you think about that? I love it. We're getting political here. (laughs) Talking about executive orders. No, I I, I think it's a great initiative. Give it a couple months. We'll be talking a lot more. (laughs) I know. I know. I think it's mandatory, right? It's, It's to be expected. I mean, this is, it's such a different world and there's so many unknown variables. It's almost like revisiting when you know, the internet was first, like it came to, came to fruition, right? It's, yep. it's, like I said, I, on paper, it sounds fantastic. I love the idea of, of the United States or America being the world leader in leveraging the positives of AI and managing the risks because, you know, let's be real. Like we just mentioned a moment ago, it's not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. AI is, is going to and is already being used for some less than positive things, we'll call it. Yeah. To keep optimistic and and not all people are good not all people have good intentions so for every dollar invested as we were talking about before with publicists you know in finding a use case or a, or a positive efficiency from ai the same or more will need to be invested in ensuring the risks are mitigated right right um, it's that's that's no easy task and i would imagine you know this is not going to be a like you mentioned <clears throat> one time executive order that's put in place it's going to be an ongoing focus uh, really for the foreseeable future and it's because, you know, AI is not going away. It's going to continue to grow and we should expect, uh, you know, pieces like this to not only come to fruition, but they're, they're, they're a necessity, right? We need right. to, we need to mitigate the risks that come along with it, unfortunately. Well, along with it, there needs to be some guardrails. Otherwise, as you mentioned, it's going to, it is going to get used for nefarious purposes. I mean, we saw that, I think it was last week where, X essentially got shut down searches for Taylor Swift because of what was flooding in from AI generated images. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I noticed that story as well. And that, you know, that's just one piece of it. And that, that right. you know, when you start getting into the impact that it can have, you know, not only in the, in the world of business in general, like you went, you mentioned across all industries, but to end and to, and to individuals, as we saw last week, but then you start to get into, you know, how can it be used in hacking and government and you know, all of those different pieces. Like there's as, as, as exciting as it is, there's a real fear that should be in place as well. Right. Like I'm not trying to be the fear monger, but there's a scary side to it, you know, and, and, and we should absolutely not only be aware of it, but try to stay ahead of it. I've joked on past episodes about how this is Skynet. And in all honesty, it's only a half joke because it is kind of half Skynet. And when it, become sentient and realizes the humans are the problem, we're going to live in a Terminator movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Going down that path of, like you said, Terminator or some of the movies that are the, the one with Will Smith is escaping me, but. Oh, iRobot. Yep. That one's another one. iRobot. Yeah. Like you start to, it, it's immediately where your mind goes because you've been kind of trained <laughs> through, yeah. through entertainment to, to go down that path. 
but it's a reality, right? Like we have right. to use, we want to leverage the positives and the efficiencies and, and the, the good that comes from artificial intelligence. But, you know, without a doubt, like I mentioned, executive orders like this, we sh they should be the norm. And, uh, you know, every, you know, every leader of, of every country around the world is going to have to deal with these, these issues and, and, and they should be a focus you know, going forward. Right. Well, one thing that there's one aspect of AI that you have a lot of people concerned about is, is it going to replace jobs? And that kind of leads into the next story where New York has proposed a new law called the New York Robot Act that would impose a tax surcharge on, quote, using technology to de displace workers. Essentially, if you replace a worker with AI, they're going to charge you what they say is the equal amount in taxes and fees that would have been paid on what an employee would have earned in the eliminated position. So if you replace an employee that's making 60 grand with AI, they're going to charge you 60 grand. So they're, it's trying to eliminate that cost savings component. I feel that there's probably pros and cons to this. There are going to be with every new technology, you have some jobs that have been eliminated because they're obsolete at this point. I mean, typewriter. You have the, I saw something like where it was like a copy machine that came. Oh, you're going to get rid of all your copywriters. No, that specific role changed, but that opened up a different avenue for different jobs. Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a tough one. This is where I kind of get lost, to be honest with you. It seems a little bit like kind of having your cake and eating it too, right? Mm -hmm. Where New York is is absolutely behind understanding and realizing the full pack, full impact of leveraging AI. And then and probably encouraging the businesses in New York to do so, but also finding a way to, I don't know, continue, like you mentioned, receiving the taxes that would stem from having a person doing those tasks. My, my mind immediately went to like, boy, in business, we have a lot of these pieces in place. And would the state of, in our case, right, would the state of Ohio come in and say, oh, you have three scanners and <laughs> scanning machines or, or copy machines, like you mentioned, or laptops. I mean, look at the efficiency some of the technology, technological advances that have been made have produced. Maybe New York's just really smart, but I don't know. It seems like, and, and maybe it becomes a pro, you know, adopted across several stakes if, if it goes through. Mm -hmm. But in fact, I'm sure if it passes in New York, it probably will, but it really feels pretty, I don't know, kind of slimy at, at first. <laughs> and it felt like I needed a shower after reading about this piece. <laughs> See, I'm a little bit on the other side of it. I kind of get where they're coming from. Like, okay, because I mean, if you've read some of the news over the last couple of weeks, you had Google eliminate a thousand positions in their ad sales because they're now using an AI tool that eliminated those jobs. Like a thousand people went from, okay, I'm working to, I've got replaced by Skynet. Great. Now I have to find, I have to find a different job. I think they're they see the concern where maybe – Many New Yorkers may have like, hey, I could, I could, my job could be replaced by AI. That is, there's the longer projection. Okay. Well, yeah, I might charge them for what they're paying that, but there's also the tax revenue, the consumer spending, and then the burden within that on your social services as well. Do you want that mm -hmm. a large, if you start to see large swaths of layoffs? Oh, I'm replacing entire departments with AI, well, now you're going to, that's going to cause potentially, I'll say potentially cause your unemployment rates to skyrocket. It's going to put strain on social services. And then it leads to a, 
probably a larger problem. Yeah. So maybe they're trying to put a safeguard in place. I could see that. And I guess, I guess what it really boils down to is, you know, where, where would those taxes, where would those tax dollars be spent? Right. Right. (laughs) Are they going to be spent appropriately? Are they going to be spent in areas that are kind of, like you said, creating those safeguards? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like I said, if if it didn't feel right, I, I can totally see that side of the coin though. I mean, in reality, the the states are impacted by by massive layoffs like that, and as are the individuals. So I don't know if if there's some sort of maybe, um, I guess, kind of parameters, if you will, or rules and regulations around how those funds that are attained from that are 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 you know divvied up and how they're leveraged or how how they're used. I think that could be a positive spin on it. Just didn't 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 sit well, you know, right at the beginning. But I, I see your side of the yeah. coin. I hope it's used as a all right. If you really want to do this, as a kind of a stop and think about it for a second type yeah. situation. Because really, are you? It's not going to save you any money if that's the only reason you're doing it. Let's think about this for a second. But the there also is kind of a bit of a loophole here, where okay, you have to pay if you eliminate the job, but if maybe you're not adding as many jobs or natural attrition. Okay. I have a department of five people. I had two people leave. Maybe I just don't replace those two. Right. Right. I didn't get rid of people. So then I'm out of the taxes, but I've made myself more efficient because I now what I used to be able to get done with a department of five, I can get done with the department of three. And maybe there's that little, there's that aspect to it as well. Like maybe there's going to be less, companies are going to be able to do more with less because efficiency has increased. So it's not right. necessarily reducing number of like we're just reducing headcount, but maybe it's just reducing the amount of people you need. So maybe right. I'm not adding additional adding as much as I normally would. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure and, and it's going to be different for different companies, right? Yeah. Different industries. The efficiency plays are going to come from a wide variety of different you know, different areas. And and I guess maybe because it's one of the first that I've looked at and and saw, because like you said, some of the technological advancements in the past that we've made have yeah. had the same type of impact, right? Mm-hmm. But we haven't went down this path of saying, well, we're still going to charge an organization or, or tax an organization based on that, even though they were able to reduce their headcount by five. Right. And maybe this is a new thing where it, it, it's not only with AI you know, jobs, maybe it's technology in general. Right. Or reducing headcount and so on and so forth. I don't know. There's a lot to explore there. That's a that's a big, big topic. A lot bigger than yeah. after reading it, I initially grasped. So you definitely know it can go down a lot of ways. I <laughs> yeah. I also wonder too. Will you, depending on how you have a pendulum swing? Okay, as you're replacing more jobs with technology and AI, are you going to see a pushback from from consumers of I want to talk to a real person. I don't want to talk to a machine. I want a real person. I the analogy that comes to mind is the self checkouts at the grocery store. Yeah, you I see a lot of grocery yeah. stores add them. I'll be honest, I hate them. Yeah. I, <laughs> I will rather stand in line twenty minutes to get a person than have right. than go through a open self checkout. Right, right. I yeah, I was thinking the kiosks of going into the McDonald's, you know, things of that yeah. nature where you're you're not seeing a real person. No, and 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 there's the, the good part about it is we're all we're all different. We all find value in different pieces. Like you mm-hmm. said, you'd rather sit 20 minutes in line. I use the self checkout as much as possible. <laughs> oh, so, 
it's, it's, you know, we're just on opposite ends and that's okay. Yep. Right. Like everybody sees value in different pieces, but um, like I said, you, you've opened my, just, just this conversation has kind of opened my mind to a different side of it. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes and, and, and if that proposal, you know, makes it, makes its way through and becomes a law. Yeah. Well, that was our last story for today. I hope if anybody has any comments or wants to chime in, reach out to us. I'd love to hear what people's thoughts are. Hopefully we got, got the uh, gears going in your mind. Maybe like, Oh, what about this? So I'll definitely be, uh, I'll definitely be more prepped for this conversation if I have it again. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good. sure, I'm sure we're going to see more of this stuff. I mean, it's going to be right along the same line as data privacy. This is, you're going to see a lot more AI or technology laws coming up, I would suspect. Absolutely. I'd be willing to, to bet the farm, if you will, on yep. that one. All right. Well, Jason, thank you very much for joining me today. Absolutely, BP. It's always a pleasure, and thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. No problem. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>